makes me so happy, boy. That hip hop makes me so happy. Praying for you, dude. <laughs> you. We need more Kendrick. And I don't, I, we did not intend to start the show this way, but since we're here, might as well get it out. We need more Kendrick. It's been a minute. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with my briefcase to let you know exactly why we need more Kendrick. <laughs> Lay it out. That's what I do. We need it. No, but some, actually, actually, that boogie freestyle that you just played is heat. I actually hadn't gotten around to listening to that joint, but I see why you're saying some of the things that you're saying when he's putting out something like that. Yes, yes. And I give you just a just a snippet of it. There's a whole lot more where that came from. And when I think... <laughs> wait. It's the sample. What? I, I, lo I love how we have a whole structure for what the show's about to get into, and immediately we start recording, go right into hip-hop talk. Yep, everything relate back to hip hop and drug dealing, for sure. If 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 we go if we if we just go and be wild about the whole thing, Mother's Xavier, then we can't go any further without welcoming absolutely everybody, everybody, everybody to the All the Way Live podcast. You know what I'm saying? And over here, can I get a celebratorious gunshot, please, sir? Mm. Hold on, stand by, stand by for gunshots. Up, oh, cock it. Then we let it go. Oh no, nah, we're not we're not we're not connected to the sound. I think I gotta stop sharing the sound on my side. Yeah, buddy. Hold on, that, hold on. Was it what you saying? I see. Um, <laughs> these technical diff I feel like I'm getting older. Like it's getting more difficult for me to understand exactly what how technology is supposed to operate. Yeah, I feel like you're getting older too. You do it's the same thing every time. Can I get a gunshot, nigga? You were playing music. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, yo, listen, I'm not gonna let these technical difficulties. I feel like, but I feel like the audience feels me though. I feel like at least I don't know how many times we cut it out, but I know the audience has heard me say this at least one time. Like, you gotta share the sound, bro. But now that we in here, one time for the audience, goddammit. Did you hear that? You hear no. that? <laughs> 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 Well, at this point, you know what? We're just going to keep it moving. Zway, what they got for us today? <laughs> Yo, listen, G, I got to say, but because, you know, me and you talk about this stuff off mic all the time, but this space right here is undoubtedly and intentionally made so that people can feel good after listening to this, man. We know a lot of people are going through some real things out there. And if we can be just an hour, an hour, 20 minutes of some positive, good energy for you, that's exactly our intentions. And how we do that on this show over here is by breaking that up into three very, very fun contents of curated conversation for your cranium. You did it. You little, little backspin on that one. You, you put a little spin on it. But I like it. For sure. It, the last week's, last week's introduction definitely did not go as smooth as this. Not at all. That being said, how we've broken this show up for y'all, man, is into three different parts. We got Stumble Upon, we got Current News, and we got Recommended and Review. Now, Stumble Upon, this is where me and Miles talk about things that have interested us, things that have fascinated us, and just interesting conversations and observations that we have found throughout the week, and we bring that to you. And this week, well, you got to just stay tuned and find out on exactly how we're going to do that. And then from there, we go into current news. And on current news, this is where me and Miles and Xavier reach for the very top of what's scorching hot on news meter. The tippy. The tippy. 
the, what he said, and then we bring it to the people. <laughs> the tip it up. That's right. <laughs> and this week, the what we're going to be breaking down is NFTs, man. NFTs. This is something that me and Miles Xavier have been speaking about all week, something that we have researched, and you know what we do. We bring you facts. We bring you a thought. And this week, we're going to break that down, and that's some exciting stuff. The monetization of art. In fact, indeed, indeed. Now, don't beat around the bush now. You know what's next. Ah, uh, come on now. I'll, 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 let, I'll let you introduce what the recommended review is because you're so ready for it then. I forgot what we were going to recommend and review, but I love no. that part of the show because we get to talk to the people. We get to be recommended things. We get to review things. And that's my favorite thing. And I don't even matter what we're going to talk about because one, the conversation is going to be fine. And two, we interact with y'all. I love it. And that is why I take notes regarding, <laughs> that's why we have pre-production that we take notes regarding how this show is going to go. Because this week, Miles and Xavier, the people would love for us to talk about Snowfall. That was, so we're going to be reviewing Snowfall again. I know y'all caught up with Snowfall. I know y'all caught up with Snowfall. Snowfall is snapping. But there's a conversation Ooh. to be had about um, a boy, man, RIP John Singleton. And uh, how shows carry on after losing a major piece, whether that's a director, or actor. So we'll get into that. For sure, for sure. And, and I love that take that we're going to take on that. And then from also there, we've had a recommendation from a a loyal fan. Um, said loyal fan said, "Tell Miles to come back home." I don't know if that would mean anything to you. Uh, for sure, for sure. Shout, shout out, shout out. Shout out to that fan, man. Shout out to that fan. And from there, they've asked us to speak about some of the books that we're reading. Um, so I think for us, you know, this is about to be quite the fun episode. And without further ado, we bring to you the All The Way Live podcast, man. Whether it's one person, 10,000 people, a million people, it doesn't matter to us. You're all welcome over here in this space. Enjoy the show. Yeah, Sersky. You know what it is. The building is in Joburg. The building is in Chicago. We in the building, you know, wherever building you in, man, hope y'all feeling good, but we got to acknowledge something. You already know this podcast is recorded on stolen land. This side in Chicago, we're filming in the land of the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires. They were forcibly removed from this land and the violence done to them is inseparable from the state that we find ourselves in, the state that we find our country in. And so with that, we're lifting up indigenous people the world over. We're lifting up love between black and brown people the world over. Intro over. Let's get into them. Can, can we have a moment of honesty with, with the fans and the listeners right now, if you don't mind? By all means. In pre-production, you were Ferris Bueller, barely alive. And I must say, I'm quite impressed. And, and I'm quite impressed at how, you, how you've come alive since the camera's gone on. Hey, man, I got I to gotta show up for the people, man. I got to show up. If somebody clicked on this, saw my face and your face and clicked on this and took the time, I'm going to give them the energy. But don't let that fool you. I'm hurt. <laughs> Y'all got Uncle Miles today sitting there nursing his fifth because yesterday he had to handle. It's crazy. I'm out here hung over. For sure. For sure. Hangovers at, hangovers at this age slap different. Matter of fact... I almost don't even enjoy drinking because hangovers at an old age, just it's brutal. I'm very selective now about when I will indulge to the point of having repercussions the following day. 
And yesterday was such an occasion, man. I, I got to see my homie. Shout out to my boy, Casey, man. Matter of fact, while we give an air horn to the fans. Shout out to my boy, Casey. I got to kick it with him, you know, just starting the first steps of that reconnection, people that we weren't able to see or didn't feel like, you know, like we were able to kind of kick it or, or because of COVID and restrictions and stuff like that. So it was a celebratory moment. We got celebratory with it. And uh, I'm reminded I have all the memories. Yep. Right here and right here. Are we good? <laughs> if you can pat it at the same time and rub your stomach, I think that's the cure for, for hangover. Now I'm trying everything, man. All types of herbal remedies, dog. But the main thing is this water. And if you got Pedialyte, y'all know at home, that's the secret hangover cure. I need to get me some of that after the show. But thank you for that moment of honesty. It's cool. We let them know what's going on. We let them know what's going on. Hey, man. Now, without further ado, and we're coming straight to you with Stumble Upon. Now, damn, I was supposed, this was supposed to go a whole lot smoother. Let's, let's, let's run it back. And... And you go okay, tell me if you. That I know it's harder if I had a song already in there and I would have like hit the. That would have been raw. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Because you get edited. I act natural. Act natural. Nick, act natural. And I bring to you stumble upon. I wouldn't say this. You know what? You have 400 years to get it right, America, but you don't know how to treat your people. All people. It's time. I that was the wrong drop, but you get the. I best. was like, that doesn't have anything at all to do with weather or changes in COVID and restrictions. But he ain't lying though. Miles, listen, we're gonna give this the third take and use the right drop this time, okay? So I'm gonna need you to act natural, bro. All right. <laughs> and without further ado, we bring to you. Stumble upon. <laughs> hey, y'all, come look at this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And today's Stumble Upon opinion. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's lit. Yeah, that's yeah, lit. yeah. We, we try we try new transitions. You know what I'm saying? That's lit. We can we gotta we gotta uh, get them all at the same volume level and at the same. But I think that's 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 fire. Thank you, sir. I bet, bet. I now run to me. Talk to me about how stumble upon, brother. So check this out, man. A lot of places uh, in the U.S., some certain parts of Europe are starting to reopen as vaccines for COVID-19 get distributed. Now, part of that reopening and the push for that has been a lot of businesses have been operating at half capacity or you know limited capacity, if at all due to restrictions of COVID, right? So they want to boost the economy. They want everybody to be able to get back working um, and get everything everything up and running again. So an interesting thing that I stumbled upon as a part of this process was that over COVID-19, over the past year or so, uh, carbon emissions dropped by 17%, dropped, yeah, by 17% at one point uh, versus year ago. And we're, as we've started to reopen, we've already gone back to pre-COVID levels of emissions. Now, the interesting thing about that 17% drop, which was our lowest point, and I think it would, was hovering closer to like a 6% drop, 
But that I think that 6% drop is about what we would have needed to avoid or what the recommendation was for people to drop carbon emissions to avoid weather-related and climate change-related consequences. So we managed to do it in the context of COVID, and now we've ramped it back up to pre-COVID yeah. levels. So I just wanted to bring to my brother, a man who knows a little something, something about energy and efficiencies and stuff like that. What is what is that? What does that say to you? And is it is is it possible, considering how much things were shut down during COVID, to get us to that even that six percent? Is it possible to replicate that, or are we just is it an unstoppable train of carbon emissions moving forward? I mean, you know, over here we're always proponents of believing in a better future. And so if I have to look at just the general trend of where, um, the general trend of the type of commitments that various car companies and companies in general are implementing, or let's say the various uh, milestones that they're taking upon. For instance, Volvo has said that by 2030, they only want to be able, to, they only want to create electronic cars. And then you look at, for instance, uh, you know, some of these energy, com- some of these oil and gas companies that have now converted themselves into energy companies and have, to a certain extent, been some of the larger investors within the renewable space just by virtue of having to diversify what they do. You know, it, you can definitely see the wheels changing in that way. Now, from that's, you know, that's from an economist point of view, but from a person point of view, it's just interesting in that it shows that the world will carry on. Like the regardless of anything else, the world will find a way to this earth that we share, this rock will find a way to keep, you know, to, to fix itself if we are not focused on hurting it. Yeah, true. I think the worrying thing as a person, what it it also says to me was the recommendation to reduce by 6% carbon emissions was do this or there will be a global natural like crisis right and we ain't do nothing until there was a global crisis right a global natural crisis now it wasn't in the form of climate change but it it took that for us to actually and not even intentionally right but to to make that reduction and so i just worry that it might always be crisis that we might always be reactionary now shout out to volvo my first car was a volvo shout out the little s40 with the heated seats you know what's going Mm -mm -mm. on you know take them down memory lane Mm. that was a great car that's a good shout out to them that's a good first car that was an amazing first car so shout out to them for that um and yeah there i'm glad that there's also i think like even google is trying to be like energy neutral i think by 2023 or something like that so you have companies that are putting certain measures in place. And I think some of them are earnest and genuine with it. I think other bits of it are virtue signaling, but I'm saying the amount to commit to the amount of change across the board, across countries, across continents, to get to the point that we need to get to, I worry that we'll always be reactionary in making the measures that are, and not taking half measures. But I think corporate responsibility does play a big role in that. And as we've said many times on this podcast, we can increasingly hold people and company corporations accountable with our dollar yeah so do that and buy volvo or something i don't know <laughs> yo but the, the, here's a here's a fascinating here's a fascinating thought to have right obviously big corporations are the largest polluters that's 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 not a question and the largest pollutions come from some of the largest countries with the largest economies america china 
India, you know, these, these large countries that produce a lot of what the world needs to work on, they, pr they produce some of the most, uh, there's some of the most highly polluting countries. Now, when you think of the, let's say, non-green energy that they used in order to get where they are, it gets a little bit tricky when you think about what it would mean for emerging countries, like a lot of the countries in Africa, that need, you know, a, a, a cheap, easily, easily accessible uh, source of energy, such as renewable energy sources, in order to get there. So the argument sometimes comes in where it's just like, I right, cool, it's easy for these developed countries to be able to look back and say, yo, we all have to be green, when it's like, I right, cool, but you guys weren't green to get to the point that you are. Does that, you know, does that, uh, at, at, at what way do you, do, you, do you rate, do you allow some countries to be able to do, to, to process in that way? Or does everybody held on the same standard of, of uh, pollution and, and energy and energy sourcing. Yeah. Well, and we know that this might not be how it works at the level of the UN or the level of, you know, national of governments that are making these types of decisions. But I think ideally countries that have had the opportunity to use fossil fuels to get to a point of economic stability relatively should have the burden of reduction largely placed on them countries that are in a position to take on the infrastructure costs to adapt should have the higher burden of the reduction, right? So that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any restrictions on developing countries that rightly are trying to develop industries, but we need to, I think, developed countries also have, also are going to have to divert resources to them to help them do make energy changes, right? Or help them have a kind of a hybrid system, right? Like, because it's for Earth, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's for, it's for the whole Earth. I know that that might not be, as a, from an economic standpoint, fair, right? As, a, as saying everybody needs to adhere to whatever this standard, but it's what we need to do for the earth, man. Yeah. And over here, you know, we always like to highlight the people that are doing the work. And that, it, it, you know, it, it, it's important to highlight the guys that are doing it. For instance, Norfund, which is the Norwegian sovereign fund that is the, the largest energy, oil and gas-based sovereign fund, right? They, they have a sovereign fund that's over a trillion dollars. It's, it's, it's absolutely massive. And they have some very strong investment initiatives in, in various countries that are directed directly towards uh, green energy. So that's fly. The British High Commission does the same thing. USA does the same thing. So I, the fact that we, we can point out that that can be a solution and then we can also name subsequently some big organizations that are doing it, I think speaks to the power of, of being able to have those countries that have had the chance to be developed divert some of those resources there now is it a is it a clean trans trans transaction it's very difficult it's, it's it's quite difficult it's quite laborious sometimes the entry points of investment are way too high sometimes the regulatory stipulations in the countries that you want to do these projects in is very difficult to do for various reasons um, but that being said, those options, those opportunities are still there. And, you know, I encourage anybody that's within that field that is looking for a certain sort of funding or wants to understand what that would look like from an impact perspective to pursue some of these organizations that we named, check their websites out. And as always, man, we're always available for people to hit us up on our LinkedIn. 
um, and we'd be more than happy to to direct you to the places that we're familiar with that that deal with these things. Thank you, Mr. Founder of the Energy Chamber. I think <laughs> I figured it out. The gunshot button is not working, so we're gonna hit an air horn. Nope, air horn's not working either because you started no. sharing sound. God damn it. We're going to fix it in post. <laughs> Listen. I was trying to podcast. tell you, you wouldn't let me. I was yeah. trying to be like, but, but <laughs> I thought your hand was in a gun. I'm sorry. I didn't know no. you was doing the one, the finger up. I thought she was like, yeah, hell yeah, nigga. I was like, oh, damn. Nah, but uh, we'll fix it in post. That gunshot going to be cracking. Listen, thank you for bodying that topic. Um, I think we can, I think we can rotate on to, uh, to our, to our little, our currents. Now, to our current news, we would like to welcome you right here, baby. Let's go. Why come out now and say this? You know what? You have 400 years to get it right, America, but you don't know how to treat your people. <laughs> welcome to current news. Why is that the intro to current news? Just because, just because, just because. It's because we try to find an intro, if we're being honest. We're, we're experimenting okay, cool. it. We try to find cool. transitions and intros. The people ask for it. I actually think that, I actually think that, hold on, the wave might work good for currents, right? Like, if you're just like, all right, and now we in current news. You get it? Because currents, waves, oceans. And now we're here. That is such a Miles thing to do. <laughs> make, make a metaphor out of the transition. You're welcome. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> Take it away, away, oh, current. They don't even uh, peep game. We're going to start charging deep. people. We're going to start deep. charging them for this podcast. Dude, this is gold. It's too right deep. Here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Miles Xavier. <laughs> here we are again in another weekend discussing another cryptocurrency. I don't know if people are tired of it, if people are confused of it, but I can tell you there's just a lot of information being flooded around. There's a lot of scams that are happening. There's, there's, there's a lot happening in the crypto world. Hey, man, listen. They say it take, you got to hear of something three times. You got to have three touch points before you get it, understand it, or start to look into it yourself. If we can be one of those touch points, we're glad to be that, man. So if the first time you heard of cryptocurrency, the first time you heard of NFTs, the first time you heard of any of this stuff, blockchain, you're welcome. That being said... And the only reason I'm keeping there's just so much black shit that you just I, that was like an overdose of just the blackest things ever, bro. I saw Key and Peel, Kanye's face, like Android Apex, Westside Gun, <laughs> yeah, Griselda. Like, what is going on? Should we should should we share this video or should we just do the audio? Uh, we depending on where the audio comes from, we might get. Is it the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, it's we Wall might Street get. Journal. We might get cracked for either one. Oh shit, so we're gonna have to read it. Have to read it. All right, I got something. You, go some time. you got something? You gonna read it? I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. You're gonna have to share that. Thank you. Yo, hold nigga, on, your brother on, told us how you be all in reading this shit. Hey, that's some weird. I have to edit that shit out. The early part about it. All right. Yeah, I don't know if we could play the whole video joint, but you're going to have something you can read? I definitely have something I can read, brother. Well, then. Yo, nigga, your brother told us how you be all into reading this shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Get him. 
Now, the Wall Street Journal says regarding NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens or NFTs have exploded onto the digital art scene this past year. Proponents say they are a way to make digital assets scarce and therefore more valuable. Wall Street Journal explains how they work and speaks skeptics. Oh, you see, what they, what I just read is what we would refer to as a preview article. Wall Street Journal, they tricked me. They bamboozled me. Nah, they taxing, bro. You like, I, every, it don't seem like I even get to read a New York Times article before I click on one and it says, you have reached your article limit. Like, when? Where? Yeah. What? They got to do something because newspapers and, and news outlets like that are, are struggling, man. I think I said it on the other podcast, 25% of Americans get their news primarily from social media now. Yeah, yeah. And we spoke, and that's why, and we've spoken about the, we spoke about what's happening in Australia with the government forcing Facebook and these social media platforms in order to compensate these news outlets. But it is, they, there are some available articles, but in general, getting news articles is, is, is quite hard. They have, they have to, they give you snippets and then, Gotta, you gotta get the the membership. Yeah, we gotta have a whole uh, stumble upon about access to information and shit like that, actually. Because it gets Indeed. deep how hard it Indeed. is to actually access and find actual like sources. Like most uh, academic research is behind some sort of paywall. You need some type of .edu to get through there. So, but NFTs. We digress. NFTs, Miles Xavier. An NFT is an asset, ver- and this is off of the New York Times. An NFT is an asset verified using blockchain technology in which a network of computers records transactions and gives buyers proof of authenticity and ownership. Let me read that again. An yeah, NFT is an asset verified using blockchain technology in which a network of computers records transactions and gives buyers proof of authenticity and ownership. The current boom is mostly for digital assets, including images, GIFs, songs, or videos. Most importantly, NFTs make digital artworks unique and therefore sellable. Now, Artists, musicians, influencers, and sports franchises are using NFTs to monetize digital goods that have previously been cheap or free. The technology also responds to the art world's need for authentication and provenance in an increasingly digital world, permanently linking a digital file to its creator. Dope. Very. So if you had to break that down into... Three basic bullet points. What would you What would you give them? What does this say to you? So, I the the most important part of the NFTs is the non fungible tokens, right? So, these are you you are you are effectively entering into this crypto space in which it is exchanged with tokens, and you can exchange the product you can exchange the artwork or whatever it is that you purchase for whatever else right so if we're going to talk about just the basics of it and the reason i'm trying to just break it down simply is because there there's a lot of great lines there's a lot of great lines in where it is what it's valuable for and what it's not valuable for now the most valuable element of that is authenticity which is an issue that artists face a lot, especially when it comes to digital art, music, and things of that nature. 
Right. So I think the NFTs do a couple of really cool things, right? They add that authenticity element, which is essentially your, it's like a, it's like a certificate of authenticity for anything else. If you were to buy a painting, if you were to buy, you know, a really nice piece of artwork uh, by like a, like a craftsman who only makes a certain number, you can have something that verifies what it is, right? That it's, that it was actually made by this artisan guy and not in some factory that's knocking off this is his stuff. So the authenticity piece is really cool. And then it's attached to that digital file, like Zoe said. So like it's inseparable from the piece of artwork itself. The other really cool thing is that it's tracked over time and connected to the artist. But what that also means is that every time the NFT gets sold, regardless of if it's the artist directly selling it to someone for the first time, or if it's the person selling it for a second or third time down the road, the artist gets I believe a portion of that compensation compensated for that or their value of the NFT itself goes up or something like that. And, but and they get compensated in a way that they haven't been before. Go ahead. And now we're getting to some of those great lines. And that was a that was a brilliant breakdown that that you gave of it. I just wanted to ask you if you had to put three main bullet points onto one, two, three, whatever it is, what what would your bullet points be? Yeah. Well, I think my bullet points would be a mix of like statements and questions. So one bullet point is for me is like the display of it. So if this NFT is is embedded in my digital file, depending on what that file is, if it's a piece of digital art, then I'm looking at that art on my screen and I get it. But what gets hard to wrap your head around, but also really fun to imagine is how that plays out for other mediums, how that plays out for music, how it plays out for like even memes, right? What's Ex- up? Exactly. And you know, you know, it'd be a fun, what'd be a fun thing for us to do is go through, let's say those three major art forms that NFTs apply to and try and paint the scenario of ways that they can be valuable. You know, especially start, especially those those three that you've that you have just named, which would be the most applicable, which is music, um, electronic art, and uh, sorry, digital art and actual uh, actual art. Yeah. So I think like um, actual artist is an interesting one because if so, if I buy a painting that I that I want to hang on my wall, it's possible that I could be sold kind of like a how. As CDs started to die, you would buy the CD and you would get the digital copy as well, right? You would go in and you'd put the code in and now you have it. You have a physical version and you have it in your iTunes. So it's possible that you could be sold a painting and then get a digital like watermark or a digital certificate that you plug in and now you have that piece both hanging in your house, but it's also displayed on wherever NFTs can can be displayed. So I think that's a really cool idea. What do you think about the physical art version? On the physical art version, the biggest value of it comes from the, let's say, the investing element of, of, of art collection, right? And of, and of art purchasing, which is that there is the, the act of investing in art is purchasing it at a certain value, holding that value for uh, you know, a certain amount of time and then flipping that, flipping that over. That's why art has always been one of, uh, that's why art has always been considered an asset class when it comes to investment portfolios. Now, with the ability to have tracked the authenticity of that art via this crypto, because what it is, is that it, it, it embeds the owner and the purchaser 
at all times. And so the, the movement of that art has been recorded. The value of that art is being recorded in, in, a, in a public market space. And the owner of the arts is also being recorded. So any reference into that art, we know where it's been, who it's been with, which is something that's already done, um, which is something that's done for actual art as it is right now, which the art that you purchase, if you are going to be investing it, they look at the history of the art. It's like, it's like purchasing a, a luxury car or a, 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 um, a, a not an Oldsmobile, a, a, car, a collectible car. Oldsmobile. That's the most uncollectible car in the world. <laughs> Dude, but, I could but, have said a bucket. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. But you're absolutely right. I think the ability to track that over time in a in a uh in a digital way. And I think even like to a certain extent that might increase how much like for one of us, all right, if Jay-Z owned this painting and I see and I can see that and track that and that's a part of its like digital history represented on my computer somewhere, that adds a little bit of sauce to me wanting to buy the to buy the piece, right? Especially if other people can go and see like who who owned this and now I own some of some art that was in Jay-Z's house. You know what I mean? And they'll somebody else will be blessed enough to own some art that was in my crib. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, exactly. So and lit. That is that is the best that is the best part of it, and also allows people to engage in art at a distance, you know. So let's say there's some collectible items that maybe people cannot house in there, they cannot they cannot house for storage purposes. Maybe their walls don't allow for it. Maybe they're just not interested in the the the, the physical um, the physical holding of that art. You are you you. With the NFTs, you hold a certificate of ownership of that art, which is authenticated via this, 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 this crypto. So I think in terms of applicability of NFTs, digital art, mainly so, but physical art as well, there's, there's a lot of room for, for value in that, especially bridging. Um, for instance, like you can, someone can sell you a Banksy and you don't know it's a... They can say they can give you a, a certificate of authentication on one end, but you don't know who owned that certificate before. Um, you know what? What has the the value history of this of this of this been? Now, great galleries will be able to tell you that. However, many many galleries are not great galleries. You know what I mean? But that's yeah, that's that's the value. He said live from the great gallery. It's not fair that you get to pick out background podcast art from a literal gallery. That is that is cheating. And um, in order to be able to keep that going, can we please send a, sh a gunshot one time for for uh, for the man that that makes that makes that possible? Go ahead, give a gunshot. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you very much, Gallery Momo in South Africa, the foremost black-owned gallery. Shout out to Muna Mukwena for that. Uh, give them a look, incredible, incredible art. And it's something that, um, you know, some conversations that we've been having in order for uh, Gallery Momo to, to take on NFTs into a certain, into a certain extent. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of excitement in the art world for disruption of, of this kind. I, I fully support it. So now the interesting question becomes, how does music look? Exactly. Right? I think it's really interesting to imagine like a digital space, like your, like your digital library. Um, so like where the album artwork is prominent and you can kind of like, just there's going to have, they're going to have to create a, uh, 
a digital way to display what, whatever it is, whether it's music, whatever it is, because part of the NFT and who's going to be attracted to it is specifically people that care, people that are collectors, people that are connoisseurs of whatever the media type is, right? And often connoisseurs like to display their collections, right? That's a part of the, that's a part of it. So they're going to have to come up with something, a digital representation from that. The flip side of it is that there will always be bootlegs. There will always be a way to listen to music without paying for the NFT. And if it sounds exactly the same, there's going to be a large market of people who do not care. Now, going right off of those words, right? Um, there is an article that came out recently about Lil Yachty and the Vinklevoss twins uh, regarding NFT. So I'm going to go ahead and give, give this a quick read. Yo, nigga, your brother told us how you be all into reading this shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. I should I should have a book that I pick up every time. You should, for sure. For sure. It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be a book of nonsense. Yeah, it's sure. gotta be a book of nonsense. You like something ridiculous. Real. You know what would have been funny as hell is if you just put up a Dr. Seuss book real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Red ham, green ham, bro. Where else? Where else? <laughs> hey man. So Lil Yachty, the Grammy-nominated rapper who today sold $375,000 worth of Yachty tokens, his new cryptocurrency in an ICO, has teased his 5.2 million Twitter followers with the prospect of limited edition crypto art. Yachty tweeted an animation of Yachty Coin, the new cryptocurrency that Yachty launched with social media platform Fuse to the soundtrack of one of his songs. The 23-year-old rapper said he's working on a collaboration with the Vinklevoss twins, NFT art house platform, Nifty Gateway. He will sell the fruits of that project at 7 p.m. on December 15. But up for sale would not be the Yachty coin sold in today's ICO, but a new type of currency called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. NFTs are a unique cryptocurrency that can be swapped for another. That makes them perfect for selling digital art. Yeah. Yachty writes, for all, for all my fans... Outside the U.S., I partnered with Fuse to make history. My lawyer is making the disclosure that I'm being paid. If you want to buy access to the Yachty coin, it's coming soon only on the Fuse app. I think that's a really cool way because it's it's the it's an artist and it's and it's about you know people who want to follow them and their personality and their music. But they're what he's what he's selling is something outside of the music, right? It's an opportunity to have the stamp as an OG Yachty fan, right? I think that's really cool. I also yeah, think that yeah. it's cool to bundle NFTs with stuff. So um, if, with concert tickets, with physical versions of the album, with a vinyl, right? That would be lit. I think that's, pretty, that's a pretty cool idea. I got, I got one idea for NFTs, and I might be giving sauce away, but I want to hear what you think about the Yachty thing a little first. Like, I, I, lo I love what you said about the different ways that artists can actually utilize tokens, right? Which is bundling them and, and, and utilizing the, 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 the concept of the NFT tokens to apply to the music specter. So the whole concept is that you are purchasing tokens that are in relation to a certain type of art and whatever you get back from that art, be it authentication, be it experience, be it bundles, be it um, uh, merch, whatever it is, that is what you're purchasing into. 
And I believe that, you know, any way in which we can get money from the pocket of the consumer all the way to the artist, the quicker that, the more direct that that can happen is always going to be something that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, or I'm, a, so I'm a, I'm a supporter of. So in, in that way, it's fantastic. And thank you for, for highlighting it like that. Yes, sir. Now drip the sauce. Yes, so imagine ad libs as NFTs. Ooh. So there's no song. The artist just goes in. Travis Scott just goes and gives you a real crispy, it's lit, you know, with the auto tune. And that's just the perfect capture of his ad lib. And that's the media representation. And it might be bundled. So it might be, you know, you get a certain amount of concert tickets or discount on the concert tickets. And this sound, this sound becomes your text tone or, you know, your music notification tone. I don't know. But I think it would be dope. People picking their favorite artists, you know what I mean? Whether it's Quavo or, you know, whoever, Future. But just to be able to, for them to give a, if it's Chance, ah, you know what I mean? And it's just that yeah. little, I think that would be lit. That's actually very fire. That's very fire. That reminds me a lot of the period in which people were making money off of emojis. And there were Kimojis. Kim Kardashian made her own emojis. A bunch of people made their own emojis. It's kind of like, almost like ringtones as well a little bit where you're purchasing where you're exchanging capital to be able to hold something of that audio art so i guess in in, in the case of the in, in in the case of the music space when it comes to nfts the value of that is is in not necessarily the investment aspect although it can be um, but it's more so about the purchasing of the value of what that nft gives gives back to uh experience and such yeah, exactly. People want to buy experiences. And the only downside to experience is that, is that you don't have something physical or a reminder of it, right? You might get a ticket. You might want to keep the ticket. But it's not always the same as it would be lit if you had a digital record of that that's walking around in your phone, you know? Just like that's why people stand at concerts with their phone up the whole time trying to take pictures because they want to leave with something or something that says, I was here. Mm. I participated in this. You know what I mean? Same reason people buy merch. Right. So imagine what you do, how it, how it changes if you automatically get the merch, the certificate, whatever, downloaded to your phone as soon as you buy the ticket. Now you're going to have the experience knowing that you're going to walk away with whatever that is in your pocket. It's lit. Here's, that's, that's fly. And here's some, here's some dope stuff as well. Whereas the NBA recently, the different videos that they were, let's say a dunking video or something of that sort. They've been selling those as NFTs out to people. So people have been collecting like these various dunks and stuff like that as, um, you know, we grew up, we're, 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 uh, we're millennials. So we grew up with uh, trading cards, which are actually now making a comeback. And these NBA posters and things of that nature are now being traded as, are being traded under NFTs, but in the same way that we were trading on these, these collectible cards. That would be lit, man. And like that's the it's one high def video rendering, like almost like a super HD GIF of this dunk. And only you have it would be lit if only you have access to it to make that your laptop background or your phone on lock screen. And you know what I mean? And or, you know, holograms is coming, bro. You're gonna be able to put your phone down and have your NFTs just and just be displayed. You know what I mean? All the different stuff you got. So for man. Sure. And for sure, and like the fear, the fear of the fear of replication when it comes to the music side, especially with NFTs, is that you hold something that a lot of people can play a bunch of times, a lot of things, uh, something that people can um, 
listen to, you can download it if you want to, right? So the novelty of having it is not there, but it's the same thing as like when we're collecting cards, which is that the image that is on the card is an image that's popular all over. That is not the point. The point is the, the value of the actual token that you're holding and what that represents. So I think we, I think we might've cracked, cracked some space in the way that these uh, NFTs can be valuable in the music space. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, man, I think we gave them a little sauce. Then we done educated and entertained the people. Definitely. Definitely. And that brings us to my brother. The third section. Recommended chapter three. I wish I wish I had a I wish I had a a drop for that, but I do not. We need to find a drop for that. A recommended review. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But y'all see the growth, man. Listen, Snowfall. Snowfall. That's my show. Snowfall. Talk to me about John Singleton. What are you? What are? What are you saying? What? What's that? That you made a very interesting comment at the beginning of the of the show about that. Yeah, I'm about to get into that. And if you could look up his filmography for me real quick, that would be dope. Because John Singleton. Yeah, John Singleton is a is a is a great, great black director. Um, and. He actually passed away, I believe it was last year. Last year, sometime 12 to 18 months ago. 20, 2019. Um, okay, so yeah, two years ago. Uh, and he created this show, Snowfall, which is about uh, Freeway Ricky Ross, uh, who was the person in LA who is said to have really exploded uh, both the the crack epidemic in LA and a lot of that also was embroiled in the Crips, the Bloods, the formation of these gangs in different ways. And so uh it's a really dope show, man. The there's some the actors are doing a great job, but the first three seasons cinematically are just done so well and done with so much care because John Singleton is from LA. I believe he's from Compton, where a lot of the show takes place and you can just tell that he cares about showing you know making this gritty interesting sometimes violent show but also like showcasing this space and 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 really i feel like there are definitely scenes and shots where i feel like i'm in california just looking at the palm trees the way he shot it the way he played with lighting so for him to pass after season one or not after season one i think after season three as we move into season four the show is still good, and a lot of the plot points are really good still, but you can tell that it's being handled by someone else. And I'll say a little bit more about that, but I want Zoe to make some space for both his comments and rattle off some of John Singleton's movies for us, too. Hey, man, John Singleton has produced some of your favorite black movies. Uh, we're talking Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, um, Four Brothers, Shaft, Baby Boy. He was involved in Too Fast, Too Furious. I just learned that he was involved in Eight Mile, but also Hustle and Flow, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3. So a lot of your favorite, a lot of the staple movies that we have in black culture, um, your John Singleton has had a hand in it. And definitely you can you can see that the 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 show is being handled slightly differently, especially when it comes to the the plot line, right? I'm not saying it's it's bad in any way. However, you can tell just in the let's say the pace of which John was doing the, the show in before. I mean, before you had Franklin, who was being this, this uh, he, he was 
becoming a man as he's becoming a drug dealer. And so in his quest, uh, in, in that balance of being a kingpin and being and discovering himself as a man, the, that comp, the pace in that conflict was extended. John Singleton allowed for the extension of that, which is to dive deeper into the conflict of him becoming a man and questioning his identity. And then also the conflict of him growing as a kingpin, coming to that iconic moment with Leon and the whip where he's like, ah, damn, this <laughs> You know, epic. Yeah. It's, it's an epic scene because it, it's, it's, um, it, it's a climax of, of the conflict of those two things, of being a kingpin and a man coming together. Yeah. I love the way you said that. I love the way you broke that down and found some words for a show that, that means a lot to me that I like a lot uh, that I hadn't even, that hadn't run across my head in the way that you phrased them. But I think that's absolutely right. Watching that journey is a really important reason why I like the show. And it's cool that you were able to point out some really like uh, extended narrative characteristics of the show that have changed. You're caught up, right? All the way. Okay, so spoiler alert. Uh, but that last scene when Leon and them other dudes are in the whip, the whole scene was spoiled for me because as soon as the guy with the cart, the shopping cart, is pulls up not the shopping cart the ice cream cart pulls up mm. and they real quick switch to that camera angle that breaking bad camera angle of the ice cream funny. cart and it shows and it shows him from this weird angle that looks like it's straight out of breaking bad i was like oh gunfight immediately yeah. immediately yeah. as soon as i saw that and so it yeah it's just one of, and it was also just a reminder that oh that's not singleton behind the camera that's somebody else either that worked on Breaking Bad or that loves Breaking Bad that, that, you know, was putting their own little, their own little sauce in it. And it was a cool shot. It was a great scene, but it was also just a little reminder that something's a little different. I know exactly what shot you're talking about. You're talking about the shot that where they're on the wheel of the cart, looking up towards him pushing the cart, very Breaking Bad, very yep. Breaking Bad, which is still, which is still, I think the best, crime tv show and, and and one of the best i even put breaking bad over the sopranos yes i'd have to bro i have to that I hurts me to hear but you might be right i love the I sopranos the vibe of the sopranos but you might you might be right it might be a just it's so clean it's so clean and and this is the problem with it this is the problem with it right and bear with me on this because i know it's a little bit controversial but the sopranos Tony Soprano's, Tony Soprano's journey is a journey of self-conflict. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's a journey of, of self-conflict and a man who is on that journey of self-conflict, whereas Breaking Bad is a car crash happening in slow motion. There, it, it, it is the excitement of watching... But that, that, that's kind of... That can, become, that can come off as, as hyper... As a, as contradictory because Breaking Bad is literally the same thing as this man who's conflicted. But The Sopranos is clean, whereas Breaking Bad, it is, it, it just spirals so far out of control and just becomes such an epic mess. And it is beautiful mess that they create in that world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I was hearing you and I was kind of like, what you were saying about the Sopranos and, and the, the internal struggles of a man definitely does apply to Breaking Bad. But the way in which it's shot, directed, 
and and the way the story is told is much more car crash-esque in, in Breaking Bad, whereas The Sopranos is like a, a long last ride, yeah. right? You know what I mean? And there's some, there's some characters that you feel like, that you get to know, but feel like you've known forever, and then you say, you slowly start to say goodbye to them, and it's a long last ride uh, that ends much more ambiguously, depending on who you ask, than Breaking Bad. But we'd be also remiss if we didn't throw the wire in crime TV shows that people are going to be shouting at their screen like, are better than Breaking Bad. Um, and the wire is, the, is, is another argument that I'd take because, again, the, 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 okay, and this, is, and, and this is where we start splitting hairs, right? Because what wins Breaking Bad over Sopranos is character development. The characters in Breaking Bad with Jesse... Even the side characters with um, the side character with Tuco, this, even the the villains are are such super villains in throughout Breaking Bad. Whereas The Sopranos, there's a lot of filler characters where they can just go by the wayside. Where that changes with The Wire is that The Wire's character development is better than Breaking Bad. It's wider. There's more characters. You care about them. You got Snoop. You got uh, Omar, you got, you know, it's 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 wild. But yeah. where does where do where do we put those against each other then? The wire is not as clean because of season two. Everybody universally is like, Ugh, meh, on season two. It's an important part of the story, and you you can skip it if you just want the entertainment. But you get a lot of good story connections and payoff later. So that that. It, I'm not mad at anybody who says it's number one, but to me, in terms of in, in terms of watching them, uh, it, yeah, I go back and forth. I think the really interesting question is: Is Snowfall better than The Sopranos? No, you don't think so? Not yet, not yet, not yet. I it, it, it's it's too soon. I need to see how they I need to see how they continue because I can very easily see uh franklin falling off uh the, the the way they're handling franklin in this season is more entertaining than it is compelling because his identity struggle throughout the whole first couple of seasons was what 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 brought us into him right and now when they're veering off in this way where they are where they there's a thing that crime shows do where the protagonist the protagonist operates on a level outside of consequences to a certain extent, right? Even the consequences that do occur, they might affect his environment, but the inner circle does not get affected. And that's for the sake of um, preserving the narrative of the show. Now that could easily change at the end, but I mean, we had a gunfight. We had a gunfight in uh, the last episode and the main person that was killed was this girl, the little girl that was in the car. Now, give me that same gunfight in Breaking Bad. We saw a gunfight. Hank, Hank was out. Yeah. Hank was out. And if yeah. you go to the wire, the wire is even more sinister than that. You just have a little kid come up at the back of, at the back of Omar, just cap him, pow, quietly, and dip out. Yep. You feel me? Yeah. It's a definitely, it's a, it's a, I think the point you made about entertaining versus compelling is, is hugely important. And it goes back to the idea of characters, right? Sometimes characters are beautiful characters that are in the world of the narrative. And sometimes, especially in TV shows, characters are just the personality of the actor that they felt would be the right sauce for, you know, to add to the show. And so I think 
yeah, I think your your point about Breaking Bad, how every character is completely immersed in the world, right, and has some sort of like payoff. Whereas The Sopranos, there's a lot of personalities that are that are fun, but they're they're there specifically for their personality, and it becomes more entertaining than it is compelling. Body in this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a very fun one. So if we have to put it. We haven't done a list in a long time on this show, and I think we owe the fans a list. So if we're, if we're doing top three crime shows, where are you going now that we have identified the top three? Well, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say Breaking Bad, The Wire, one and two. No. The Sopranos, Snowball. No. Nah, you got it. You, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's, our, we, our we did not spend 30 a. minutes just to give two participation awards. Ah, there's more black people in The Wire. Wire, Breaking Bad, Sopranos. Flip, flip one and two for me, and you have my list: Breaking Bad, Wire, Sopranos, and Snow. But there's a lot of I see a lot, a lot of margin of error for Snowfall. I see a lot of margin of error for Snowfall. They can, if they if they don't handle the show right, they can very quickly become corny. I can see that. Mm, they can very quickly become power. They can very quickly become power because those first few episodes, the first two seasons of Power, are are great television. Again. Character conflict. He's it's yeah. internal conflict, bro. You're right. You're right about it. You're right about it. And uh shout out to Top Boy too. That's I don't know if that's in the same realm as some of these other shows, but it's a I definitely got a lot of entertainment just watching Top Boy as a as a crime mm. TV show. So I'm messing. Now you with got that. to. You got to. A lot of people say Top Boy is the UK's The Wire. I'm not mad at those people at all. Matter of fact. Uh, depending on how this third season of Top Boy goes, I might even put Top Boy above the wire, ab- above um, above Snowfall, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's actually the better comparison, Top yeah. Boy and, and Snowfall. Snowfall. Yeah. Man, in it, bruv. <laughs> Dude, exactly. You walk away from, you walk away from the wire saying uh, comments from the wire. Uh, she. <laughs> you walk away with it. <laughs> Wow, man! You walk away. They with that. still Yo, make him do that in every movie he's in. They still make him do that. Yo, hold on, bro. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got someone special. Hold on one second. Hey, fool! You calling us? You calling? You calling me a mouse? And we on the? And we on? We all the way live right now. We on the? We on the podcast. Put me on the fucking podcast, bro. You see, you see, <laughs> you see. It's this type of, it's this type of attitude that we won't do that for. Well, go on, Sam. Matter of fact, let's get a motherfucking gunshot for Sam. Yo. <laughs> yeah, bro. What's up? I have a song that we want to record together. You hear this? All right. All right. But you know, I'm always down. The mic is here, bro. Let's let's get it. Let's get it. Not today, because I'm dead. But let's pull up. We're going to get together. We'll, I'll holler at you. I'm going to text you. <laughs> you live, bro. You live right now. Say what's up to the people, bro. And then let me hit your line. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yo, we're going to give you a shout out properly. We're Peace. Give you a shout out properly. Love. I got you. I got you, player. Now you're just marketing, bro. Now you're just marketing on our show. Now I'm going to hang the phone up. Now I'm hanging the phone. This dude just marketing. 
Text text and please. Text and please, bro. We like mid recording. Uh, It's live, bro. That's what I'm saying. Peace. I'll catch you, my G. (laughs) That was Sam, friend of the show. Friend of the show, man. Shout out to Sam. Check out check out our voice music. Check out our voice music. I I I love that. Check it out. Big facts. Check out Smoji's music, bro. Smoji, Smoji. Great, great Afrobeats music. I'll be jamming, I'll be jamming uh some of those tracks around here. It'll be ringing. He got some tunes. We're gonna put his uh SoundCloud link in the description. That's what we're gonna do. 100 percent Support our man, support our boy. You're gonna enjoy that music. Big facts. Big facts. Hey man, what more? Hey man, what more? One of our one of our uh one of our trusted fans, or one of our loyal fans, dare I say, um, and if you ask her, she would argue that she is the biggest fan of the show. Um, I'm talking, obviously, none other than Mama Gila. What up, Mama Gila? Mama Gila, who is uh, also the president of the Get Miles Back Home in Africa community. That is my most, you know, y'all know I do community work, but that is the cause that I am the most behind, for sure. Speaking of community work, do you want to, should we, should we let the people in or what are you feeling? Yeah, well, mm, I don't want that to be at the back. I don't want that to be at the back. Let's keep that. That might be stumbled upon or a little, little intro conversation for the next one. I don't want to put that at the end. I want people to catch that. How about this? Let's put some, let's put some points on the board. Like we know how we do. And then let the people, uh, let the people, we'll do a show and tell. How about that? That I'm with that. Do something dope and do a show and tell. I'm with that. Nah, cool. for sure. For sure. I'm coming here said, with all the lanyards on. Big drip. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, one of our biggest fans, Mama Gila, has asked us personally to be able to do... Uh, she has recommended a conversation surrounding books that we have read and books that we enjoy. And Love books it. that we are currently reading. Love it. Indeed. You want to go first? I have been struggling to read as much as I usually do. So usually I'll do, let's say, two books a month. Uh, two, one and a half to two books a month is usually my average. And I'm struggling to... Yo, nigga, your brother told us how you be all into reading and shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> I would need you to play one for yourself, too, because... The, you are you are exactly the same. Oh man, no, but you but you said you, you you're usually reading two books a month, but you're you said you've been struggling to find content or to find time. Both, both is what I'm is what I'm learning, and I think what I've realized is that a lot of people, and I think we might have spoken about this before, just what our, our reading habits are. But I don't want I would like for that conversation as well to to be a part of, uh, you know. What is our approach to reading? How do we enjoy it? The space we enjoy it, the spaces we enjoy it, um, as well as uh, you know the books we read and the books that we've enjoyed. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, synopsis for me, I'm one of those weirdos that actually likes to read on uh, my phone. So, like, I know a lot of people are <gasps> the real readers are like, <gasps> the physical book is God, and I'm like, you ain't wrong, but also the, all the words are right here too, though. So. 
I read a lot on my phone, which is convenient, uh, especially for for annotations. I'm usually I'm these days I'm definitely reading ninety percent stuff that's related to my work, related to um, whether it's on black folks or whether it's you know gender based issues. Definitely stuff that is I feel is relevant to community support and educating and unlearning uh, for myself. So I'm constantly annotating. I am also one of the few people that is fingers crossed for George R. R. Martin finishing at least one more of these books because the end of Game of Thrones was terrible on television. Mm-hmm. And I read all the books. Um, so that is my, that is my, I like to read for leisure too. I haven't been doing much of that lately. And then um, I will just end it with right now I'm reading, uh, I'm in the midst of two books. I'm reading Halfway Home. Um, and I'm going to put the information in the, in the description as well for these because I, I can't remember the names of the authors, which is trash of me. Bit, bit. But I'm reading Halfway Home, which is about, <laughs> which is about uh, actually people that are returning from being incarcerated and what it's, what it's like to make that transition, um, the ways in which you're limited in the things that you can do uh, in your rights after being incarcerated, uh, and just, just painting a very vivid picture of that struggle, how it affects families, how it affects communities. So halfway home, and then the other book that I've been slugging through slowly is um, The Color of Money, which is about the history of wealth accumulation in the United States and how different political uh, maneuvers were done very intentionally to keep Black people from being able to accumulate wealth, uh, including redlining, uh, disinvestment in uh, African-American communities. But what the book really focuses on is banking and how banking black has been offered as a solution, has worked in some ways, has not worked, and why it hasn't worked specifically related to that disinvestment. So that one is The Color of Money. That's me. That's what I read. What what hours what hours do you usually read at? Um, I read in the morning if I don't have a, like an early meeting. So like if I'm just waking up like... And I and it's cool because I don't have to commute to work anymore, right? So a lot of that time has uh, been converted into reading time. You know, when I'm still in bed, and like I said, I read on my phone. So I'll wake up, check what time it is, check my calendar, and then if I'm not ready to get out of bed or shower, or make moves, I'll start reading on my phone. So right when I wake up, uh, if I try and read when I'm trying to go to sleep, I will go to sleep. So sometimes I do that on purpose, but not not often. Um, Same. But, yeah, I like to read in I like to read in the in the daytime. There's nothing like, you know, a good afternoon when you're trying to think, you know, maybe you just got some food and it's like, what's on TV? Nothing. All right, well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna just sit and read, especially if it's like kind of sunny, you be chilling on the couch, catch a little vibe. You know what I mean? Indeed. So, Indeed. No, those are and thanks for breaking that down. Uh, I found that the most efficient reading strategy for me is either I read uh first thing in the morning. Uh, before I wake up, I just grab the book and I read. I'm a, I'm a physical copy guy, but much like you, and you actually got me into this when we were in university, is reading books off of uh, my phone. So I will sometimes get the copy of the book that I'm reading uh, as a digital copy and then switch back and forth between that. For instance, let's say waiting in line or going to department DMV type of situations. You know what I mean? Dealing with that type of thing, yeah. having the book, having a book on, on an Uber uh, doing that that's that's always been the best way to help it's either doing it first thing in the morning or scheduling lunchtime for it i think i'm going to schedule 
lunchtime for it again that's that's always been the best way and also dedicating like a specific number of pages to read a day and usually that number is between 10 and 20 pages it's like i bet i'm gonna do no matter what i'm reading 20 pages this day and then whatever the time i get is to scrap that that's always been the best way to like truck through uh to truck through books mostly but that being said the books that i'm reading right now are i just finished uh outgrowing god by richard dawkins uh outgrowing god um Richard Dawkins is a is a is a is a very famous, uh, very a very famous. I don't want to even say atheist, but a very famous um, evolutionist, right? Evolutionist atheist, um, and he does a lot of great books like uh, the science of uh, the science of of us. I believe is the name of the book, but essentially just breaks down scientifically um, nature, evolution, spirituality. Now. A lot of the times, I, I like to read things that either confront ideas that I believe in, things that I don't necessarily believe in. You know, I like to read about what it is that I don't know or sometimes don't believe in and be challenged in those thoughts. Um, the Outgrowing God by Richard Dawkins, a very, very interesting take on the, spirit, the spirituality of the science of spirituality. And he tries to disprove a lot of what we find to be spiritual um, with scientific logic behind it. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, a very interesting read. You know, Richard Dawkins is a very strong reader, is a very strong writer. Um, at the same time, balancing uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest, the greatest Muhammad Ali. That's a book that I'm slugging through. You know, read that, give, give that a good 30, 40 pages a month, not even. You know, whenever I run out of a book, I'll go to that book. That's my transitional book. That's dope. That's important, man. And honestly, yeah. if uh, talking about biographies, Bruce Lee's... Um, artist of life is one of the books that changed my life so i think yeah reading reading about the people that inspire you uh is dope and it's and it is nice man that that transition that phone being able to do that in the uber like you said or waiting in line is lit i was really quickly just looking up the authors for the for the books um so the author of the color of money is marissa Bataran, and the author of halfway home is my guy my fellow university of chicago uh, campus stomper, Ruben Jonathan Miller. Oh, awesome. Do you know him? Uh, we've been in Zoom meetings before, but mm. and I actually do think we we were introduced once before COVID at like a somebody's dissertation, like uh, post drinks and after they defended their dissertation. I think we did meet briefly, but I need to get deeper in touch with him because this book is speaking to me, and we're we're too close not to be uh not to be tapped in. Um, yeah. Stuff we're working on, so. Yeah, and 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 like you said, a lot of the books that I read as well are related to the work that I'm doing. Um, I I'm I'm led by my curiosity. That's 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 how I've that's been my latest reading method, which is to follow my curiosity and to to read as as broadly and as widely as I can. Read things that challenge the things that I believe in. Read things that are um that that are of pivotal interest in that moment and that's when i'm usually able to get most of that book and most of the reading experiences is being immersed in the emotions and thoughts of the topic that i'm doing and if it's something that is uninteresting then very quickly that will that that will wither away but um you know a good a good finance book for me goes a long way for sure i love it i love it Another cool thing, man, is like there's so many ways to read. Like we've we've been focusing a lot on books and um, 
one time for Eve Ewing because she's just amazing. She's just a, an author from uh, Chicago uh, who just does a lot of amazing work. Her book, Ghosts in the Schoolyard, about school closings in Chicago uh, is definitely one of the formative books in terms of shaping and, and, and expanding my perspective on, on communities and, and how schools and how much we lean on them and what happens when we don't invest in them. So shout out to Eve Ewing. But also I want to encourage people to like read articles, bro. Like I know we were talking about how the New York Times and the Washington Post and a lot of these places are behind paywalls now. But actually there's a, there's a thing that you can get. It's an app. It's called Pocket. And if you get that, it'll send you emails of just different articles based on, you know, uh, your interest, but it also will tell you on average how long it might take to read them. So you, you see the article, the headline, and it might say three minutes, five minutes, two minutes, 18 minutes. So it lets you know how long about the article is before you even get into it, which is really helpful. And then you, when you, you, and what it does is anytime you come across an article, you just save it to your pocket. So at any point, if you're standing in line or you're in an Uber and you want to read and maybe you don't have a book, you pull up, you open pocket, and it has all the articles about how long they are and all the headlines that you go back through that you found. So it helps you keep track of stuff. A lot of times we see headlines and we're like, oh, that's interesting. We might not go back to it. Save it to your pocket. Build reading habits. It's good for your brain sickles, man. Thank you, and if, and if Thank pocket, you, And if Pocket, you would like to give us a bag for that marketing, and we just like to let, let other brands know that that's the type of marketing you can expect here at the All The Way Live podcast. So Pocket, feel free to fill our pockets. And while we're still giving um, recommendations of different ways to consume information, the Curio is another one, and we've spoken about it before. Curio um is you you choose the you choose articles like popular articles from these major uh news news sources and it reads it out for you um it, it's actually very dope to be able to just throw it on in the background i usually do that when i'm showering throw on a curio um throw on a curio uh, article uh, it, it is dope and so curio if you too would like to um sponsor us for that type of ad uh, feel free to do so. All right, man. I right. cut the tape, cut the stop the recording, man. I think that they done had enough. I think we done gave them. I think, I, come on, man. I, I know. We gave them a lot. Uh, you know why we give them a lot, Miles Xavier? Do you know why we give them a lot? I know. It's because we know. We know. We know. Y'all got way too many options when it comes to choosing a podcast. But if you listen to this and you listen to it all the way through, you done made the right choice. You rocking with All The Way Live. And we appreciate that choice that you made. All The Way Live is a celebration of life. It is a celebration of celebrating. Is it a celebration of being black? Yes, it is. Don't it feel good to be black? It's my favorite thing, brother. It's my favorite thing. Mm, 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 mm. Listen, this has been so much fun. I was, uh, this, is, this, is, this is a flu game for me. But as you can see, the energy in this space always, always does what it do, man. So we appreciate you, man. We appreciate all our fan. We appreciate Mama Gila. We appreciate everybody, man. It's all love, water, peace. We go. <laughs>